Tim's not, and I'm, and inside of me, I'm, I don't want to go do grinding. I have fun brushing my teeth. But I, but I heard God speak to me in that, and they're like, God was like, no, you need to go do this. And so I went and operated the grinder for the day. And I didn't have fun, uh, but I did it, and I learned a lesson that sometimes we serve people in our area of giftedness, and sometimes God calls us to step out and do things that we're not necessarily talented at or things that we don't necessarily enjoy, but it's jobs that needs to get done. I'm just glad that God didn't tell me that I needed to go over into the empty field and play soccer with the Spanish boys because there's no way I could have kept up with them, and I think I might have had a heart attack. That team, again, people from age 15 up into the upper 70s, that team came together and we had real unity because we were there serving together. We got to know people in ways that we would never know because we met together in the morning over breakfast and we met together in the evening and we shared devotionals and, and things like that. We didn't need name tags anymore after that trip because we knew each other. We'd really spent time together doing things and we knew each other. So unity comes in times of service and our pursuits of Jesus. You may be putting pieces together and maybe God is saying to you, I know he's saying to me and I hate it, but I'm going to do it anyway that you need to be here at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning to rip out flooring. I don't like ripping out flooring, but I'll be here Saturday morning to help with that project. Because in times of service, we get to know each other, and we achieve a level of unity that's sometimes not possible any other way. So we've talked about pursuing Jesus. We've talked about pursuing service. Pastor, it's a Sunday. There's got to be a third one, right? Um, so the other thing that we can pursue is virtue. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, again, the apostle is writing to us. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. That's what binds them together in perfect unity. The scripture passage tells us to act with compassion, have kindness, gentleness, humility, and patience. It's not an exhaustive list of the virtues. It's not an li exhaustive list of the things that we're supposed to do as a Christian. But it's a good list of things that we should do. But at the end of the passage, it says, above all of these things, um, put on love. Debbie, can you come up here for a minute? Debbie is my object lesson this morning in my sermon. Um, she doesn't normally wear T-shirts to church. But she's wearing a shirt this morning that has a quote on it that says, Love is the gospel message. Designed, by the way, by our own PNF teens who have t-shirts for sale in their online teen store at the fundraiser for NYC this summer. Ask me how or ask Jen how, we'll tell you. So this, 
this shirt actually is the number one selling shirt in that t-shirt store right now. There's lots of really good, fun shirts to wear. But this shirt is a quote from a theologian named Mildred Bangs Weinkoop. Dr. Weinkoop was a theologian. You can go sit down if you'd like, unless you just want to stay here and mod. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so Dr. Weinkoop was a professor of theology at Trevecca, and she taught students and wrote a book called The Theology of Love. She, in her reading and studying, um, came up with the idea that we could summarize the whole gospel message, that we could do the work of Jesus in our world if love was our primary motive. Her book was published in 1972. Um, she was probably writing it in the 1960s. She actually, in the introductory paragraph of her book, she's like, there's a four-letter word that's really popular in our world today, and it's called love. But the way the world is using the word love in the 1960s is not the way the scripture uses the word love. And so she was calling us to just love one another, love God and love our neighbors and serve them. Something that I was reading, they republished that book a few years ago. Um, in going through some of her materials and archives, they found a chapter that she had written that was not included in the original publication. And so they republished the book and included the lost chapter. And in the process, some of the more recent theologians in our church wrote introductory paragraphs and, and statements about the book. And in one of those, um, it pointed out that Dr. Weinkoop would have studied and heard teachings from Phineas Brzee, that she would have been a young person when Dr. Brzee was ending uh, toward the end of his life, and so she learned directly from him. Uh, do you know the name Phineas Brzee? If you're a longtime Nazarene, you might. If not, you probably never heard of him, you're like, Phineas, that's a weird name. Anyway, Dr. Brzee was the person who really founded the Church of the Nazarene. He was a preacher in the Methodist Church back around the turn of the century in the late 1800s, 1900s. And Dr. Brzee um, left the Methodist Church because the Methodists didn't really like the kind of people that he was bringing to church. Um, see, he was bringing to church the kind of people that he would hang out with for dinner. Um, he was bringing homeless people. He ultimately started a, a ministry and, a, and a, uh, a shelter for homeless folks who focused on the urban poor. And eventually, Dr. Brzee, who was in California, joined with two other groups from the southeast and from the northeast. And this thing that we know as the Church of the Nazarene was founded. Dr. Brzee is known for many quotes. One of his most commonly quoted statements is that in essentials, we need to have unity. In non-essentials, we need to have liberty. But in all things, we need to have love. You see, churches debate about things. Um, in just a few minutes, we're going to do the Lord's Supper with communion. In some churches, it has to be wine in the cup. In other churches, it has to be grape juice. It's better if it's Welch's, not Walmart brand. So we might debate about that. Some churches, you can baptize an infant. Other churches, no way. You have to make a profession of Christ before you can be baptized. In some churches, you need to wear your Sunday best. 
I don't see a single man in here wearing a suit coat. In other churches, come as you are. Shorts and slippers are fine. When I was in high school, you couldn't go see a movie if you went to church. You could rent things at the video store and put them in your VCR, but you couldn't go to the theater. Um, several years before that, a friend of ours um, got married. She was proposed to, and she had a beautiful ring. And another lady in the church was like, oh, that's a beautiful ring. I wish you'd just bought you a watch. Because rings were too fancy and too adorning. And we might debate about what's essential or not. Wine versus grape juice, movies or VCRs. Brzee went further in his teaching and said those essentials are the things that are essential to faith. They're the essentials related to salvation. And so that Jesus was born of a virgin, that Jesus suffered and died on the cross, that Jesus was raised again, those are our essentials. The rest of this is non-essentials. And we, we can have liberty in the non-essentials. In our church of the Nazarene, we don't do it very often. We can baptize an infant. I'm having a conversation with my daughter and her husband right now because I'd like my grandson to be baptized. They want him to be dedicated. It's fine. Either way, the church is going to love him. They're going to serve him. It's all good. But in those essentials related to salvation, we have to have unity. And as we go out in our, to our community and we pursue serving others and we pursue being like Jesus in the community, those things related to salvation are, are essential and we need to be unified in those. So if we're serving our neighbors and community, we can't help but be unified. If the main pursuit of our life is Jesus and acting and behaving and working like Jesus, we can't help but be unified. If we're all pursuing to love one another and love our community, whether it's in the essentials where we have to have unity or in the non-essentials where we can have liberty and grace, if we're acting with love in everything that we do, we will be a unified church that lives out and is the light of Jesus in this community of Port Orange. And that's my prayer this morning, so let's pray. God, I thank you for this gathered people that are here in this room. I pray you will make us one together in the bond of love. God, for our brothers and sisters that aren't here with us that are watching online, Lord, I pray that you will help them to be united with us as well, whether they're watching live this morning or they catch it later in the week. God, as we pursue Jesus, give us the byproduct of unity as a church. God, as we pursue serving our neighbors, give us the byproduct of unity. And God, as we love like Jesus loved, give us the byproduct of unity. Help us to be a united church that everybody looks at and says, there's something different there. I want to know about that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we come to the table today. Thank you, Tony. This table that we didn't set, this is the Lord's table.
it was around the Passover table that Jesus would pray, make them one as we are one. Sanctify them, set them apart, make them holy. His prayer was unity, but always through love. And the table is the perfect example of the two coming together. It is only through the blood of Jesus that we can be unified. So we come today to the table, and in the Church of the Nazarene, we practice what's called an open table, and that means that you don't have to be a a member of this church. You don't have to be a Nazarene. If you profess Jesus as your Lord, you are welcome. If you say, I want to know more about Jesus, you are welcome. Jesus is the unifying element. And so we want to invite you to the table. Maybe you say, I want to know more about this Jesus. I don't, I don't know that I'm there yet, but I want to know more. I'd encourage you to talk to Jason or Jen or Tim or me. We'd love to tell you more about this Jesus, but we want to invite you to his table. So on the night that our Lord was to be betrayed, he took the Passover elements and he transformed them um, by changing the liturgy. For hundreds of years, for thousands of years, the liturgy had been the same and they had observed it faithfully, passed down from generation to generation these elements reminded them of their physical freedom from Egypt, of the liberation that they received because God delivered them in a mighty way and did something that they could not do. And on the night before our Lord would be betrayed, on the night that our Lord would be betrayed, in the upper room, he gathered his friends together and they shared a meal together and he changed it and he said, This bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. Take, eat, and be thankful. And then he lifted the cup. And the juice would look like the blood that was put on the doorposts during the last, the tenth where the the death angel killed the firstborn but spared those who had the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. And he said, this represents a new covenant. This represents my blood which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink, and be thankful. So we come to his table the unifying factor among us, and we, we come and we all partake from the same loaf and the same cup, trusting that God will nourish us and that as we ingest these elements and as the sugar and the carbs nourish our bodies and give us animation, 
we are then called to go out and take that life and that animation into a world that is dying. And we are called to be the living representatives of this cup and this plate. Right? So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the love that you displayed. Thank you for the work that you did on the cross that we could never do, for your obedience to the Father, for completing the plan that was established before the foundations of the world. God, I thank you that you, through the power of the Spirit, you were able to complete the plan of the Father. Jesus, I pray that you will be with us. May we take in these elements and may they nourish our bodies. But more than that, we believe that you are present in this moment. And as we take you in, God, nourish our souls, not for our benefits, but for the benefit of the world that we will in just a moment go into. Jesus, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't have a saving knowledge of you, God, I thank you that you have promised that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Jesus, I pray that at this moment, if there is someone that says, Jesus, I don't know you, but I want to. I'm a mess, but you're good at putting broken things back together. So forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Change my life. I want to live for you. Jesus, I pray that even now, someone may be saved. Someone may receive you into their heart. God, we love you. We thank you for this table that we didn't set, that we didn't prepare. We may have broken the bread and poured the juice today, but this is a table that you have prepared for us long before any of us were ever in this space. So we enter into this moment with reverence and with gratitude We remember what you've done and we proclaim your good news to a world that needs it. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to come and... Oh, yeah. For convenience so that it's not all chaotic, I'm going to invite you all to come down this aisle and then you can go back that way and return to your seats. And... Um, we, we practice um, all coming to one spot. We practice, it's called intinction, but that's just a fancy word that says we share one bread and one cup. And so you'll be handed the bread and you simply just dip a little bit of it into the juice and then take it in. Um, can I get someone to help me? Would you help me? Thank you, Brenda. So Brenda's going to help me as we, as we serve the elements. So I'm going to serve her, and then as you're ready, come to the table. Thank you.
been good to be here today. It's been good to see your faces today. Will you stand with me? If you're visiting with us, we sing our benediction, and so just receive it. Um, those of you that know it, sing along with me. And and we practice, sometimes it looks a little weird, but we understand that when we are given something, all we can do is receive it. And so you'll notice a lot of people just holding out their hands to receive the blessing. And so I invite you to do that, just to acknowledge that every good and perfect gift comes comes from God. So let's sing together. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. May the God of all peace sanctify you, make you holy, and give you his love this week. Go in peace.